Ladies and gentlemen, wow. welcome back to Fitbit Pod. My name is Ben Lemons, and with me always, Durham Josiah. I mean, honestly, just when we thought our tech could not get any better, <laughs> we are literally sitting in a motel in uh, Mount Gambia, Gambia, and you held up your phone to the microphone to play the intro. Not loud enough. Not even loud enough, but look, I think this the thought that counts. Hey yes. folks, welcome to another episode of Fitbit. This is Fitbit from the Road. Yes. Um, and we have a wonderful guest with us, Ben, someone we both met at the same time at the same last time. Friday. Yeah. Um, she's a wonderful comedian. She's all the way from WA. And she came all the way across to join us on tour. And she is new to the industry, but she's absolutely killing it. Yeah. One uh, well, special mention at the Deadly Funny Competition special last year. Special mention. Well, I think she deserved to come second, if not first. So yeah. <laughs> that's my opinion. Yeah, let's Did check down who came first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, did I see the rest of the acts? No, I didn't. So, yeah, exactly. She's, uh, she's a know. winner in our eyes. <laughs> Welcome, Dora Smith! Thank you, Dora. Thanks Thank so much you. for doing this. No worries. Thank Mate, you for how, having me. How has it been going from, you know, doing a couple of gigs here and there and all of a sudden being in front of like 300, 400 people? <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a shock yeah. to the membrane. It yeah. really is. But it's a good shock. Yeah. I feel like I can grow... And, and learn as much as I can being on tour, and it's good. It's well, given good. the uh, chips I've been eating, I can say I've been growing as well. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> the late night snacking and uh, chocolate. What time is it? It's quarter past ten. I've already had two breakfasts. So. <laughs> you had two? I've had two. I oh. put breakfast last night. I had it this morning when I woke up before the war. Oh. The energy. And then, you know, you picked me up in the bus. Um, and we went for a... Dill didn't drive, just for the record. Just it was definitely record, not driving. Um, so, but... Dora, we were chatting in the green room a couple of nights ago, and you were telling me that your backstory. Uh, I, said, I said, oh, so when was your first gig? You said 2018? Yes, that's And correct. then you said you didn't do another gig till 2022. True. And then I said, oh, that's interesting. What happened in the four years in between? And you said... I explored drugs and alcohol <laughs> <laughs> for three years straight, and then I thought it wasn't funny anymore, so I actually came back to comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So three years, but then you had a year of recovery. I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll we'll chat as much as you're comfortable with, obviously, and you can say what you feel comfortable with. We can, uh, we can edit it out. Probably yeah. editing on the on the bus is going to be harder this yeah, yeah, time yeah, yeah. around. <laughs> so let's try and get this in a one clean edit. So. So let's just start, like, so where are you from, how old you are, and uh, and when did this all start? So I am a Aboriginal woman. I wouldn't have known. Yes, 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 I'm a black fella, yes, from Western Australia, specifically from Perth and from Broome. Mm -hmm. Noongar and... Yeah, Noongar and Yaru, and I'm 30 years old, and yeah, I've been doing comedy since 2018, technically, but only... That was like, just the one gig, yeah? That was just the one gig. Yeah. I feel like I was performing once a year. So How did that go? It went well. Yeah. It went well. And I was so, nervous. Still am, even though I've performed like 11 gigs now. Still yeah. get nerves. Well, I yeah. do too. I think what it is, is, is if you stop being nervous, then it's probably a bad sign. It means you don't care. Yes, that's what, that's what Ben was telling me. He said, yeah. the nerves will never go away, Dora, and you don't want them to go away. Yeah, mm. Mm. And I that, like, there's and, a phrase I heard, which is that it's good to have fear, but you shouldn't have doubt. Always, if you have <gasps> fear that you... brilliant. I love you, that. You, you, yeah. you, know, you, you want to be afraid of the opportunity and you know, doing your best, yeah. but you can't have doubt that you're going to be able to do it. Yes. At the moment, I've had a lot of that. Yeah, like like they they they're like brother and sister, fear and doubt. Like they're very they they coexist with each other. Yeah, but they're they're different. They serve different purposes. I think doubt is one that is um, 
doesn't push you forward. It holds you back. It makes you not want to get out of bed, at least for me. Whereas fear is like, oh, that's terrifying. But fuck, all right, I'm just going to give it a go because there's a bit of excitement and some sort of spice yeah. to the idea of fear. You know? Yeah, exactly. I so, that. Where, so with after that first gig, so... Um, yeah, let's unpack it. Let's. Uh, what, what was your choice of uh, flavor in terms of your exploration of drugs and alcohol? So first, I, I smoked a lot of weed yeah. as a teenager growing up, as we do, yeah. you know, experimenting in high school. It was, yeah. it was on an oval at the back of the high school, smoking right. a joint, yeah. trying to be cool and trying cool. to fit in. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And was this in Fremantle or Broome? Uh, this was in Broome and Fremantle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Broome, yeah. Broomantle. Brumantle, yes, yeah. yes. Did you go back and forth? Is that what? I did. Yep. I was up and down. I, I had two high schools growing up. Yep. Broom, Broom high, high School. High school. High, high, literally high school. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, high school in Fremantle. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. And so was that just because of family? You just went up, spent time with family in Broom, and then back yes, down. correct, correct. My father um, lives up in Broom. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I yeah had the choice to to move to Broom because I was actually in foster care in Perth. Right. Yeah. And and I was living in a in a foster family in Fremantle. Mantle. Yep. And then I remember my foster carer saying, do you want to live in Broome when I was 14, 15? And I mm. said, yes, I would love to live in Broome with my father. And uh-huh. then went to Broome and still experimented weed up there. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing when, changed. When, when does it stop becoming an experiment and more of a like, oh, this is what I do? Oh, when I shift on to the next thing. So it was alcohol, right. obviously. And, and, the, yep. and let's just say this is at a, quite a young age. Yep. Yep. So like, what age did you start? you know, experimenting with it. Was it 13, 14 or was uh, it? A bit older, I'd say, okay. I'd say 15, 16. Oh, 15, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, 15, 16. It was, it was the weed. Then yeah. it was the alcohol. I became a hardcore alcoholic. Yes. What age? Until I was at like, like 17, 18, I started wow. to really dive deep into it. And I only stopped around like 20, 21. You stopped at 21. Yeah, see, I picked it up at 20 and then didn't stop till 32. <laughs> yeah, and when I say stopped, I mean, I was still drinking, but it wasn't like I thought as, as a problem. Yeah, like yeah. I didn't, I didn't like, you know, like... Do you have off the top of your head an example of how uh, extreme it got? So the ones I go to are the ones where I woke up in an emergency ward not knowing how I got there. I woke up in a DV van once, like those types of things. Did you have versions of that? Yeah, like it, I knew I was an alcoholic when I was vomiting from the attic and the basement. Ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha. You know? gotcha. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah, happens yeah. in Bali if you have a bad <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I'm not going to Bali. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back memories of all the times mm. I got too wasted, yeah. And so and, and so this was like through the like teenage years. Were you still going to school and stuff? Or like, were... I was still trying to multitask and yep. be pr- productive by mm. going to school and, and trying to, you know, function normally. So, yeah. Mm. And then I obviously chucked the alcohol in. I cured my alcoholism. And do you with, remember with when? With meth, with meth. And, oh. Yeah. So, so you found you were drinking less because of the meth? Yeah. Well, actually, I was drinking more, but I wasn't getting drunk. You know what I mean? Yes. There was right. a time when I would drink literally a carton. Right. And I would be, I'd be so amazed with myself and my body on how so I wasn't I, getting drunk. So for people who don't know, so that, that I think it's quite often with amphetamines, especially ice and cocaine is known for this as well, that you can drink copious amounts of alcohol, but still say the sort of the same buzz because it's sort of, not that it cancels each other out, but right. for, and for people like Carlton, a carton is a slab of beer, which is 24 cans, which is a, which, a, is, a lot. which is a lot. Mm-hmm. And also for your stature, like you're shorter than us. Like that's a lot of alcohol. You get away. through a slab. A carton? Well, it would take me like a day or two. Oh, like okay, I'd drink okay. it yeah. through. Like I wouldn't just sit, have one sitting and just drink. I've done, yeah. I've done uh, 17 stubbies in the one go, which yeah. is, sh- what, uh, seven short of a, a slab? 
Yeah, yes, yes, the, the seven shows that I don't want to talk about how much I can put on. Yeah, really. So what I'm hearing then is that if there's any alcoholics out there listening, what you need to do is get some meth in you. <laughs> no, do then, not do that. Do not that, listen to him at no, all. No, I'm just trying to clarify what the takeaway point there's here is. There's a method to the madness. <laughs> there's a method. <laughs> there's a sting. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, please. I mean, people listen to this, but at this point, no, I'm obviously being sarcastic. But yeah, I didn't realize that was a form of like coping with alcoholism is to replace oh, yeah. it with meth. Well, would, so, would, would you say it's a coping or was just something else you wanted to try? Like, who, did someone introduce that to you? Were so you I first, first like experimented with meth when I caught my schizophrenic sister smoking a globe of meth in my house. And at the time when I walked into the room, I was drunk. I was mm. totally pissed and and i said to her you better give me some otherwise you can get the fuck out of my house yeah. that's yeah. all the commotion about sharing, i want to experiment sharing is caring sharing is caring man you know yeah so, we share toys and dresses we can share yeah, meth pipes exactly right. and she didn't she didn't want to give me she was a good big sister we actually nearly had a fight like a fist fight she was trying to protect, and, you. We, she was trying to protect me yeah. you know she really was but I emotionally blackmailed her and I can be very conniving and cheeky when I'm drunk when you say it is it just just mailed you because the black is implied yeah 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 yeah, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that's stayed <laughs> so um, yeah so they and so then eventually you and once I went down that rabbit hole it was hard how, to climb out how yeah? quick does it descend into addiction because I've heard Matt's pretty addictive well, I didn't think I was addicted until after a year of using meth. How, what's the frequency? Because yeah. again, this is such a foreign world to me. Um, so, how often can you function? Or, were you fun, like were you functioning? I was functioning for like four days straight with no sleep and no food. Fuck. Yeah. And are you like? I was functioning. Yeah. So every how often would you smoke? Well, I I, I turned to actually rubbing it on your gums, uh-huh. and then that wasn't enough. Yeah. So rubbing on your gums is stronger, I, is it? Well, it's so the beginner. Is, it's so the can beginner. we just say we are entering? You, you've had a that's a, that's a real that's a huge addiction. Yes, like you it, were, it really is. Yeah, you mm. were you were thick into the when you start rubbing on the gums. Yep. Um, you are, and that is that is that every hour? Is that every that that's? Like I was okay. Let's say I was using every not day, every second day. Okay. Because the first time I'd use would last two days. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I felt like it was coming down and I started feeling depressed because that's what comes with the come down. You start Ah, to feel really depressed. You forget who you are. You start to feel really distorted, you know? Right. That I would have to have another hit. So it would would be like using three times a week. Gotcha. And so what's the cost of something like this? Oh, you might as well say I spent over $20,000 on meth. In, in, in a year? In, in three years. Probably more, actually. It's $100 a pop. So, so each time you get high, it costs 100 bucks. I mean, each time I got high, I'd spend $500 on it. So Wait, so every two days you're spending $500? No, no, no. No, no, wait. 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 Oh, each week. Yeah, so, yeah, you're, yeah. so you're buying a batch for the week. And then and that that's 500 Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Very expensive. Especially, yeah. I assume it'd be more expensive in remote communities. Like, like if it was oh, it more yeah. expensive up north than it was down south? Definitely was. Oh, because the travel costs. The <laughs> travel costs, yeah. And then, just, and then quite often, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you would have access to booze but you'd have easy access to ice and you would have to wait. That's like, true. That's very true. And there was times when us meth, meth heads would have to fight for the last sachet of bag of weed, you know? 
And we'd have to trade, weed. like, we'd have to trade gold chains just for some, like, a butt of weed, or we'd have to steal our brother's Xbox just to get a cone, you know? For weed? For the come down, because we really hated the come down, and we needed the weed or the alcohol to balance it out. Mm. So that's interesting what you just said about trying to source money just for that. So did you have to go down that path as well of having to give jewellery up? And yeah, I definitely brought cash converters up to Broome where I was like a hustle on the streets. I never really uh-huh. gave dealers money. I would always give them valuable things. Oh. Yeah. But I would convince others to steal for me and they would come to me. So I was the middleman. Oh, wow. Because I am pretty good with my words and I'll charm, yeah, you are. Charm, I'll charm yeah. my way. Yeah. And so what was the um okay so you reckon around twenty thousand plus was the the dollar value what about in terms of relationships with family and things like that was that all just deteriorating or did it bring you and your sister closer um both it was like the best of both worlds because i would use with my sister but my other sister and my other brother who don't use they're like saints they don't even drink and smoke cigarettes you know they they really just prayed for me the whole time and when oh, they yeah, saw wow. me, they couldn't look me in the eye. And I couldn't look uh, them in the eye, but they still you communicated. Were high and your eyes were going in different exactly. Directions. I was yeah. looking at the ground and stuff, yeah. you know. I was looking at the ceiling. I was real <laughs> distorted, you know. No, yeah. So there, there was a painful part for them to see you. Yeah. Are you the youngest? I am the youngest girl of the family. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that would have also had that extra tug off their oh, heartstrings. Yeah, it was like, heartbreaking. Oh, it's a little baby sister. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. Is this, for is them. this the foster family and your, and, your, and your father, or is this. Oh, no, this is my blood family. This is your blood yeah. family, yeah. yeah. And so, my, my foster family haven't seen me like um, Dora the Destroyer. I call my old oh, ego. Really? Yeah, 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 Dora the Destroyer, definitely. Oh, so they never saw that. So that yeah. came on after once you moved away from them, or yes, stopped living with them. Pretty much when so I it, moved to Broome. It started when you. Was it just you and your sister living, or there was a whole bunch of you living together at the time? When there was so, a whole bunch of us living together yeah. with my dad. Yeah. Yeah, and my my sister, the one that was doing mm. the meth in my house, she didn't go to high school. And I felt like if she went to high school up in Broome, maybe she wouldn't have went down the path of meth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which, what? Yeah. Sorry, girl. No, no, which seems to be um, uh, like when you hear like households who did it. So, every, did, so did everyone come, like did all your friends, once you started doing it mm. and you were in that world, um, was everyone doing it? Was everyone you knew doing it? I definitely did meth because people did meth and I wow. was connecting with friends and family. You felt like there was a formal element to not doing it. Like you're missing out on something. Yes, I felt like I was missing out. Because you mentioned, you said, oh, what's the fuss about? Is what yes, exactly. Like Now yeah. that, maybe I'm jumping too far ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying, looking back now, four years in, and you've been now clean for quite a, quite a while now. Yeah, two uh, years two now. Two years. Yep, yep. Which, which is amazing. Which is amazing, what's, what's, thank you. Which is amazing yep. on, on so many levels because it is arguably the most addictive drug it is. currently destroying our communities. Um, and destroying a lot of remote communities, which which is just so unfair because the support networks aren't out there. Mm. Like you have to go seek them. So the fact that you know, and we'll talk about how you were able to come to that, but also just an amazing feat to be offered mm. for two years. Like it's it's so phenomenal. And yeah, I, yeah I, the reason I brought it up, I just want people to recognise why we're being sort of a little silly and casual about this backstory, is because I know you're the headspace you're in now yeah you know I mean? so I'm a strong I woman realized, right now exactly, exactly. Yeah. that's why I was like suddenly realised oh the context of us hanging out or together for the last week yeah, isn't yeah, evident yeah. to the listener yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted people to rec- recognise we're chatting about this because we understand now that you've had your recovery so yep. let's then go back to the the, the using days there has to have been a moment or series of moments that made you go this needs to stop and I need to take I need to change 
uh, was that a prolonged thing? Was that something you knew quite early on and then took action a few months later or was it like an overnight thing? What was I your felt like transition? There was, there was a couple of times. It was a build-up, you know. Um, the come down when you're feeling yeah. depressed. I, I recognised it for guilt, like I was feeling guilt and shame yeah. and it turned into depression. Yeah. And, and then I would obviously numb those feelings just to go have another hit, you know. I would rely on having another hit for feeling guilty for having the first hit. Yeah. And yeah. then... That, and I, 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 this is just, not me being flippant. I, I do struggle with that with food, which is that if I overeat, I'm immediately filled with shame and real negative self-talk about what a piece of shit I am and how greedy I am or whatever. And then that sadness can only be... Make you want to eat more. Or eat the more. polar opposite, make you want to starve yourself. And then you're not eating right. And then you're not having self-compassion, you know? Yeah. And, but you're and, feeding and, yourself. And that's what I find so intense mm. about ice is because it... It just takes over your whole body and your whole mind. And that really, the, the only thing you can focus on is that next hit. Like that, yes, that, that, it's that so is, true. That mm. anything else, getting paying bills, paying... And it, just, it, 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 it becomes such a fast second yeah. to anything else. So I think following up on what Bill said, was, was there, is there a moment that you, you just realise, oh, I need to stop? Well, the first time was when my mother was crying to me, begging me to stop, saying, oh, I don't want my daughter to die from meth, you know? Oh, Why do you have God. to rely on this? And I saw her tears come out, and I never really saw her cry like that before. Yeah. She was like, I don't want to lose my baby over drugs, fuck drugs. She was, like, mm. really venting to me, and she was saying it to me, but I was just in the room, so she wasn't really looking at me. She was like putting on a, like a big show for me to like really sink it in. Yeah. And it did hit home because that's when I went to rehab the first time. But the second time I went to rehab, I was crying to myself like that in the mirror. Mm. One night when I was coming down off drugs after a six day bender, you know. Fuck. Yeah, I was up for six days. I was KFC fried. Six and no, I, no sleep for six days? No sleep for six days. So, for this, real. So and I was real jacked well, up. Well, and pause it just a quick second. I just mm-hmm. want to clarify. I don't, is there a difference between meth and ice? No, it is, is it the, the same, same thing? Well, I believe it is the same. Yeah, yeah. Thing. So I just check. It's just a different word for it, is it? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Right. I mean, ice. It's not that it's in its pure sense, but it is the same thing, really. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, and, and so the first attempt at rehab. The How first attempt was my my mum and my family playing on my heartstrings that yeah. made me go to rehab the first time. But the second time was important. How long was the first? Uh, only three months I lasted there. And but this then, second time, I, I lasted 10 months and I've been clean sure. ever since the second I, time. I want to get to the second one eventually, but I want to stick with the first one for the moment. So the three months that you were in there, when you left, were you did you feel clean? And I, I stayed clean for three, four months after the first time. Right. So what I'm hearing then is that that first time, your reasons for going in was for someone else. Exactly. So it didn't have as much sticking have, value. The it didn't adhesive, have power. Yeah, it really nature, Yeah. So that came undone three months later, is it? Yes. Okay. And yes. then how long did that, once it, once you fell off the wagon three months after rehab, um, how long before you went back in? So I was, after I relapsed the first time, mm. I was using for like three months because mm. I had to wait like two, three months to get back into rehab. There's a wait list, wow. waiting time. Yep, is it yep. the same center? Same, same center. Right. I knew I had to go back to the same, same place. Well, how does it work with rehab? Is there a cost involved or is there like a, do they run off donations? Do you have to pay to be in the order? Definitely. You have to pay rent. I paid like $480 a fortnight to stay at a therapeutic community. 
Okay. It was on a special farm and I was surrounded by animals yeah. and I picked the one with the animals because I knew that animals are very that healing. calming for you? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And so the same facility is what you went back to? Yeah, it was the same facility. What was that feeling like going back in? Was there a sense of Ben and I are in a process right now where we publicly talked about losing weight and getting healthier and we were so positive and off the back of COVID and other different issues that we're going through, we definitely feel like oh, like we've, you know, put on weight and maybe not as fit as we were maybe in 2019. So there's, I, I don't know about you, Ben, but I feel a sense of like, oh man, I can't believe I'm back here. Mm. And I'm trying to be kind to myself going, hey, that's okay. Because, you know, this, the, if you took these two snapshots between say 2019 me versus now, there's so many things that happen in between that don't explain, that aren't explained just by a picture. You know, there's heart attacks, there's heartache, there's all kinds of, you know, a pandemic. So I'm trying to be kind to myself to be not like hate on myself for falling off the overeating food wagon. You know what I mean? Yes, so, definitely. so did you feel any kind of oh, uh, definitely. Sh- shame or guilt? Going I was back definitely in? comparing myself, Yeah. which I hate to do. I hate to compare myself to my old self or compare yeah. myself to others yeah. because then you start to feel shame and, yeah. and guilty that you haven't um, improved. You've actually gone backwards Yes. And, and then you start to beat yourself up. And, and that's what I had to do is I had to be gentle to myself. How do you, in the so we, I hear that a lot. Obviously, we all hear self-compassion, kindness, all those things. But what's if in your story, what did that look in a practical sense? How did you actually show compassion to yourself? Well, I had to get instant gratification from others. They had to say to me, like the staff members literally at the rehab had to say, Dora, be kind to yourself. Stop beating right. yourself up. You have to like literally lean on the other residents and hear it from them too, you know? And I assume, Dora, it, it is never for people who you know even make the decision to go to rehab. You're also with other people who are going through the same thing, which can help, but also do the opposite as well. <laughs> yeah, I true. There was ones that triggered me. Yeah. And then there was ones that really put me off drugs. And I was thinking, fuck, I'm glad I quit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what was the ones that triggered you? What was it? Them talking about how good the times were or how nice that hit is? Or what, like, how does it trigger you uh, to want to go back to it? it? It triggered me in the sense, like, okay, this one fellow, he, he said, oh, I didn't do drugs to numb feelings. I just did drugs to have fun, like literally. Mm. Like I, I'm not addicted to it. I could stop if I wanted to. I could leave this rehab if I wanted to. And I'm thinking to myself, don't fucking leave. You're gonna use straight away, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. And then and then I, I saw myself in him because I used to talk like that. I'd uh-huh. say, I'm Dora the Explorer. This is just a good time. Uh-huh. I'm exploring it, and I'll move on to the next thing because uh-huh. that's what I do. I jump flower to flower, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so. so there was because that's something that I again, going back to the self compassion thing though, like. What I, I, I'm gone as far as to literally my, my phone wallpaper is a photo of me as a baby, as a kid, because I know that when I'm yelling negative things about me overeating, I'm actually yelling at that younger version of me, which developed that habit of overeating. So I need to rem- I keep that photo on my wallpaper just because it's so nasty what I say to myself, right? Yeah. And, and, and it, it really hurts. And so I'm just trying to remember going, hey, you're saying this to this kid. Like, that's one of the practical ways I'm trying that's to That's a show brilliant him. strategy. So, I love did that. you have anything like that? that you I were should helping? do that. I'm going to try and find a photo of myself <laughs> as a little kid. Yeah. Because my inner child has protected me this whole way. How? Like, the, the child, the Dora, the little girl Dora is the one that's like, look where you walk, be careful, you know? Or, like, like she's curious, but she is cautious at the same time. Yeah. Where the adult is more of a daredevil, I feel like, where I would explore and be a risk taker without, with less caution, you know? Yeah. Mm. What did so, so um, going through this, and again, I, I just I know our listeners are probably 
hear me harping on about it. But again, it is one of the hardest drugs to get off. It really and, is. And, and it really is. When you were in rehab, was um, the majority of people in rehab, were they across spectrum society or was it uh, mostly First Nations people? Like, you know, were you able to connect with your community again while doing rehab? Did they focus on any of that? Like, was there a sense of when you were going through rehab to connect to country more? Do they focus on it? Definitely, definitely. The rehab I went to was very cultural sensitive. Yeah. And and they did smoking ceremonies. We had a reconciliation week there. We celebrate NADOC week there. Amazing. And and we did have three other indigenous residents there, which was nice to see, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I picked that one. So there's good diversity definitely in, in rehab. Definitely. There's even <laughs> indigenous support workers and counselors. Yeah, wow. Which is awesome because us indigenous residents can take them more seriously. Because yeah. we see ourselves in them and they'll know exactly what we've been through. And they've you, probably been through it then and do, you, and do you think that really helped with the recovery? Oh, just, definitely. Yeah, just being able to, to do Because you do hear about that, that that sense of connecting with community and country, which I've heard from people who've worked in the industry, that that plays a huge part, that sometimes it works or sometimes... The idea that, you know, you celebrate NADOC week and all that kind of stuff. Has, has that process of, like, you know, 10 months and then you eventually, with all the work you've done, and, and, and you stay there for the full 10 months? Yeah. When you leave, what's that feeling of leaving? Like when you left the second time around, did you go, I've got this or um, were you nervous? Like what were the feelings when you left? So half and half, 50% of me was nervous thinking, can I do this without having people supervise me? Because mm. I was so used to being supervised for 10 mm. months inside a, inside a farm, you know? Yeah. And then the other half is like, you got this. You just graduated from a really good program. You've done t- 10 months. You learned patience. You learned how to be kind to yourself, you know. You learned how to have a routine and to be structured. Like, so I was mixed emotions. Yeah. So I had that fear and I had that doubt. But I also had, like, pride and motivation and gratitude. Most most importantly, I had gratitude. That's yeah. interesting to me because I, I that was one of the things I wanted to ask you because I look at the Victorian lockdown period as a chance, the time that I experimented with a lot of different good things, like from reading to exercises to uh, diet to, it was the, the, the sort of the most productive I've been was off the back of the, when we came out of lockdown in November, 2020. At the time as well, I knew, okay, I can't do everything that I was doing in lockdown because I had all that time for myself. So I knew there was only gonna be a handful of things that I will stick with me for, uh, you know, on an ongoing basis. And for me, it's been the gratitude list, meditation, and um, some form of exercise. The 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 uh, nutrition has gone up and down like crazy, but but I still manage to consistently do some kind of workout, even if it's just in the hotel room, doing mm. push-ups and sit-ups and things like that. So for you, what were the things that you were doing in rehab that were um, fulfilling, like in a in a spiritual way, that you still do today? Feed birds. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, so I'd go into Fremantle, in the heart of Fremantle. Right. And there'd be seagulls and birds, and I'd just, like, get a piece of bread and crumb it up. Because that's what I'd do at the farm, is I'd uh-huh. feed the chickens there. Yeah. And there was geese, and I was so used to, like, yeah, communicating to animals and feeding them. Right. So I wanted to also do that outside, you know? Do you and do that as a daily practice? Like, do you have birds of your own, or? No, no, I don't. I'm more of a dog person, not a bird person. Do you have dogs at home? I do, I do. Up in Broome, not at home. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I miss them dearly. But um, animals really do help me heal. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Was there an insight that you found in the 10 months in rehab that it was this penny drop, like a big piece of the, like a chunky piece of a jigsaw puzzle that went, that yeah. really clicked in and you went, oh my God, fuck. And you, you know, have a big cry and then you realize that was a moment that shifted you from one level of thinking to a new perspective. So the, so the main big light bulb moment yeah. was realizing that the opposite to addiction is connection. And people automatically think the connection with other people, like to have a supportive network and stuff, but it's actually the connection you have with yourself. Okay, tell and me then that's more. when I became even more spiritual. I tell felt me, like... Tell um, me this is amazing. So like, if you are connected with yourself, they say like when you're bored, you're actually uncomfortable with yourself. You're actually uncomfortable in your own company. Mm. When you're bored. Okay. That's what they say. That's what I learned in rehab. That and, um yeah, yeah, yeah. So I learned not to be bored with myself and therefore I wouldn't get triggered because one of my triggers was being bored. And it's most, most of the resident residents would get triggered when they're bored. Uh And then I'd have to tell the other residents, you guys, it's about learning to be one with yourself. Like the word alone, if you break it up, it's all one. Mm. And you have to learn to be all one with yourself, no matter where you go, where you have the safe bubble, like a shield. And no matter where you travel, you are safe within yourself. And you are one with yourself. And if you got that down pat, you can give up drugs. You know, that's what right. I believed and that's and, what I learned. And, and so is, is that, because I've noticed something that you've been doing on the tour quite a lot, mm. is you spend a lot of time sitting with your eyes closed. Yes. Is that you connecting with yourself? In Definitely. That I just passed out after that. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm in a food coma. I just had a big feed and I'm like, oh. I have, I have noticed that, whether it's like you so, just... Yeah, so I'm like... They call it meditating. Yeah. I call it just sitting back, witnessing your own thoughts, rotating your mind. Which yeah. is meditating. That's Which is incredible. meditating. Yeah. But people think meditating is when you try and clear your mind. Yeah. No, but I'm no. not trying to fucking clear it. I'm no. just trying to like visualize why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking. One of what, the best like, descriptions of meditation or version of meditation that I've been, is one where you're just sitting on the side of the road and you're... you're your thoughts are cars mm. and you're just noticing them drive past and yes. you go, oh, there's a thought about being hungry. Oh, there's a thought about... Uh, a breakup. Oh, there's a thought about, you know, fun time with my family. Like, you're just observing it. You're not the thought. You're just watching the cars go past on different directions, right? Exactly. So, so when you say connecting with yourself, like, again, not not to get too annoying, but, like, I, I love to drill down on what it looks like practically because we hear these phrases. You need to be, you know, kind to yourself. You need to connect with yourself. So what does connect with you mean? Just not being afraid of what you're thinking? Yeah, and to be able to lay in a room and look at the ceiling and not feel bored. Mm. Or not feel like you're being lazy and feel guilty for being doing nothing. Like if you got nothing to do, then do nothing and not feel or think too much about it. I like, think I, I think um, I totally get that. And what I've also noticed about you is I, I noticed that you know you, you do take stock and take time to reflect on yourself. But you know I think there was one night where I, I took a film because I was telling that joke about my daughter, and then there was I took a photo accidentally and it was you writing in your notebook. Oh. And it was really cute because then my daughter goes, "Oh, who's that comedian? I don't know that." She knows Dylan. She knows. Uh, Avan, and then I was like, "Oh, that's Dora. She's really new to the industry, but she's absolutely killing it." And then my partner's like, "Wow, it's just amazing to see someone so focused, and you looked so focused, and you looked so present that I feel like, do you think that would have come to you uh, anyway, or is that something get another positive from rehab?" I like to feel like I'm a very curious, ambitious person, yeah. but. Like sometimes you have to hit rock bottom in order to rise to the top, you know? Yeah. So if I didn't do drugs and if I didn't go through that dark world of going, being a hustler, door of the destroyer, dead devil, I wouldn't have been this like proper, like focused, like curious, wanting to, like perfectionist want to be, you know? Yeah. Like, mm. yeah, like 
polar opposites, you know. And also, I love it how you la- you, you do label it that that time was Dora the Explorer, mm. whereas you were exploring, you weren't doing that. But now the destroyer, the, the destroyer, Lord yeah. Dora the destroyer. But you were saying, you, but you, I think, yeah. But you kind of ref- reference to it as you were, you were exploring. Yeah, I was definitely exploring, exploring, but my shadow side wanted to explore in a dark way. But I'm still working with my shadow side. Yeah. Everyone has a shadow side. What do you mean by shadow side? Like your ego side, the one that wants to squ- like take shortcuts. Like if you want to deal with your feelings, you don't talk about them, you bottle them up and you do drugs to numb the feelings. That's, yes, the, that's yeah. the shadow side. That's your ego trying to squirm out of it. Yeah. Like I'm trying to work with that in, in a better way. And I had to first heal the light side of me. That's why I went to rehab and it took time. And that's all about the connection. I had to connect with myself. Right. And to fight I'm, the addiction. Yeah. I'm playing with this idea of not wanting to completely let go of my dark side or the shadow side. Yeah, because because there have been times where the dark side has fueled me in a mm-hmm. in a really powerful way. So yep. the best example is during the marathon when I did it, like at thirty five kilometers I was ready to quit, like my leg was dangling. But then I remembered if I quit there was like three people that would find it hilarious that I couldn't finish it. And there that negative feeling made me so angry that they might be proven right that I ran the 36 kilometer the fastest compared to the whole 42 yes. kilometers so that to me I was like oh that's interesting that's really powerful yes I was, was working to... with your shadow side uh, yeah and that's all that's what that's what we've got to do is learn to work with our shadow side not let our shadow side destroy our light in us you know right because that's what yeah. I think 80 20 I got this from a guy called Tom Billu where like 80 percent of the time operating the light because that's where so much joy and fulfillment really comes from is wanting to prove yourself right mm. whereas 20% of the time just tap into proving other people wrong <laughs> yes so and something like that that's another big light bulb moment I learned in rehab is I was so defensive and I didn't like to be proven wrong yeah but I really flipped the script yeah and now I like to be proven wrong so yeah. I can get more knowledge and become more wise and grow as a human being you recognize it's not a sign of I weakness. recognize it now yeah. and it took me 10 months but I recognize it now and because we have to unfortunately wrap up and yes. I feel like we could just talk about this forever we could talk for days um, we got about five minutes yeah but then the issue is that um, what I'm fascinated now is like you're out now do you ever have any urges or do you I do not think about it during my waking life during yep. the day yeah but it's in my subconscious mind so I'm always having nightmares about using wow. yeah. and in the nightmare there's always something wrong like it, the needle would be crooked and I can't use it or the the meth bag would be dirty and there's something floating in it and, oh. I, and I'm put yeah. off from using it or I accidentally drop it and spill it everywhere something always goes wrong in the nightmare and I feel like that's my light side trying to fight my shadow side yeah. subconsciously you know and, and I always wake up from the nightmare thinking, fuck, thank fuck that was just a dream. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, How do you... Sorry, go. I know, and just, again, just a reminder that you, know, you, you, were, you were using ice on, on every possible way. Yeah, like, I was injecting, smoking yeah. it, rubbing it on the gums, like, putting it in the alcoholic drinks and drinking it. Yeah, just like continually just, you know, and some would say it's not microdosing because the amount you're having is to get you, to get you high. I am fascinated that those nightmares... Uh, is do do you do you hope that they will go away in the future, or do you look at them and say, oh, you know, half and half? See, this is why I suit being a Gemini because Gemini's yeah. are the twins, yeah. the, the light twin and the shadow twin. Yeah. So I'm always split in the middle. I see the grey area. I got the gift of seeing both sides of a coin. So half of me doesn't want the nightmares to go away. Yeah, because yeah, it yeah. keeps um, me on my toes. Interesting. Yeah, the other half is like, fuck off, I'm yeah. cured. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I have that yeah. with alcohol mm. because I think you and I talked about this how. 
I needed my rock bottom plurals, rock bottoms, because now that fuels me now whenever I, I'm like, oh man, I'm so much more confident and more healed within that I think I can, you know, have a few drinks and I'm like, mm. come on, man, you saw how bad it got. So let's not, let's like the, the, the joy of wanting to try alcohol is not as bad as the pain of how bad it got. Yes. So I'd rather stick with sobriety. Yes. That, but I wouldn't have that resilience or conviction to not go back there had the bad times not been so painful so i don't want to like on the one hand i'm like oh i'm i'm grateful that the bad times happen because it keeps me on track but fuck i'm just sick of feeling shit about it because mm. it happened like six years six and a half years ago and i still kind of wake up and i you know sometimes in the shower be like Ugh, i can't believe that's how bad i got and Do sometimes you know I mean? sometimes we have to feel bad just to really embrace good yeah so if you feel good for the rest of your life i'd be worried you know i'd be yeah. thinking to myself no let's try hit rock bottom one more time so we know how far we've come you know yeah, so we can yeah. pat ourselves on the back because when you're so busy pro- producing a good lifestyle mm. you forget the bat like you forget where you've come from so it's okay to have a, a lapse what are your as long as you bounce so, back so um i just wanted to ask like because you've come away now with like not only just an amazing feat to find from where you were to where you are now. If for anyone listening who is struggling with addiction, is, is there anything that you just that would help or, or, or that you feel like unique to you that you would think would help someone? What are the things you wish you knew back then that you could tell Dora from back then, right now? The Dora of today, what could you reach out and say to her? Oh, that's deep, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is a comedy podcast. Don't worry. I'll, and I'll you said it. we only had fucking five minutes left. You were getting on that question. Nah, Sorry, that's not I'll make a joke about my foreskin event. <laughs> we'll get there. But just like, like whether you just... Just like when you feel bad, like you feel sad, mm. or you, even when you feel mad, mm. it's because you're going against your soul. Yeah. At the end of the day, when you say no to someone, you're actually saying yes to yourself. So say no to people, say no, don't feel bad and just say no, don't have a story like why you're saying no, like no I can't do it because I'm busy doing this, just say no I can't do it and then fucking walk away Uh, and put yourself first, just put yourself first. Because that is really something that I think took me too long to Mm. realise, not, sorry that hit me in 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 a heavy way, but it, it is, but it's a hard one to do though, I think if you're a people pleaser mm. and, 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 and quote unquote nice guy or whatever mm. you tend to fucking try to keep up the facade of oh I want everyone to like me I don't want anyone so you keep doing things uh, that y- y- isn't actually servicing you just to make other people happy and it still takes it, it really hurts me sometimes to say to someone like Tahir will be like hey let's go for a walk and I'm like no I gotta stay and you know do mm. my work I still feel like a piece of shit that I knocked him back. I'm like, no, yeah. it's okay. He doesn't care. And like, but my, my, my instinct is going, oh, he's going to think that Dill's a recluse and, and Dill's you, a distant. Yeah, and then yeah. I'm like, oh, oh no, no, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do the and, work on the van and then just try and, yeah, try and do everything. Totally relatable. And I feel like that's human nature. Everyone be feeling like that when, yeah. they, when they say no to someone. But you got to be your own cheerleader. You can't rely on other people being your cheerleaders. And no one's going to love you the way you love you. So you have to love yourself first because you are your own worst nightmare, but you are your own savior too. And when when you're high as a kite, it -hmm. is so hard to do that. To break out of that, to break out of that cycle, and then like you know, like saying no to a hit or whatever would take take so much willpower. But like I said, because you know where you are mm. and that you love yourself, you can. 
you yes. know, you know, and that you don't want to be part of that community where you know if everyone's doing icing, I can't imagine how hard it would be to not take the glass barbecue and continue on with that circle. Like it would be so hard. And again, I I am I am in awe, yeah. Dora. I'm absolutely in awe because there are so this this Australia is it, is fucked at the moment with it the is. ice pandemic, and so many young people are ending up in institutions, in detention centres because of that fucking oh, drug. Coffins. And because that's the fact of the matter, that chucks fuel to my fire of motivation to to be the pride of my people and to show people that it is possible to get off that evil shit. Amazing. And you're you're starting this journey in comedy, but I honestly, I said this to you the other day, there's so much, I can see the way you've put your your act together. You're on track for some huge things in this in yeah. this in this industry whatever shape and form um, it takes but please don't stop being you keep oh, sharing your you. story because it is yep. such an incredible journey of triumph over adversity and, and definitely and you know you you truly are an ins- like i hate using these words inspiration because they get thrown around so <laughs> yeah. so flippantly but i mean yeah. sincerely like with what i'm going through right now it's given me this kind of drive to know that i can handle it if you were able to overcome meth addiction I can fucking do chips like surely yeah. you know Yeah. so thank you for sharing all no, that. and where can people really... follow you where can people follow you because I think they should follow Dora I think yeah you what's like... your Instagram it's Dora underscore so my Instagram is Dora underscore M underscore Smith mm-hmm. and Facebook Dora Smith and Snapchat is more complicated, and it's for my for my my special people. So I'm not gonna say that. Yeah, you can't snap this bitch. Thank you. Those of you listening today, that this comes out, it'll uh, we'll be we you can see me, Dora, and Ben, along with other comics like Ivan and stuff at the at Kyneton on Saturday yeah. and Bendigo on Sunday. But uh, otherwise, Ben, you and I, we have our comedy festival yes. show starting next week. So Starting come and week. check, out, check us out. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Dora, I, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for sharing thank all you, that. Thank you. Thank you. Mine. Well done to you. Well, 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 Clap well, it well, out. Take care, everybody. Love you all. She's a brick. That's not specifically reference to you. That's our theme song, by the way. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you.